Chapter 9 of Bird's Eye Views of Far Lands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Bird's Eye Views of Far Lands by James T. Nichols. Chapter 9 The Nation That the World Honors, Belgium. During the World War, the eyes of the world were upon Belgium, and it is quite fitting that an article be devoted to this little country whom the world honors. Although one of the smallest of all the independent nations, yet before the invasion, this little country stood eighth in wealth and sixth in export and import trade among the nations. Texas is more than twenty times as large as Belgium. Although not nearly all her land is under cultivation, yet she supported seven and a half million people, and before the war it is said she had no paupers. This little country has been called the balance wheel of the world's trade. The city of Antwerp is said to have forty miles of keys, ahead of New York City. When the war broke out, Belgium had just completed a ten million dollar canal, and had spent eighty million dollars on her waterways. Her commercial and industrial interests were amazing. She had 180 factories for the manufacture of arms alone. A single engine factory in Liege turned out 2,000 large engines complete, annually. The zinc foundries and cycle works of this one city are world famous. Belgium had the cheapest railroad fare of any country on earth. Twenty-four of her thirty-two lines were government-owned. One could purchase a third-class ticket, good for five days going anywhere over these lines, for $2.35. One could ride to his work on the railway train, twenty miles and back each day, for a whole week, for the insignificant sum of thirty-seven and one-half cents. This made it possible for even the poorest people to travel, and many of them did. The city of Brussels had 200 passenger trains entering and leaving the two great depots every 24 hours. Belgium gave the world the greatest example of thrift ever known. Surely if ever a nation needed such an example, we did and do. Belgium could live well from the crumbs that fall from our tables. Were the American people as thrifty as the Belgians, we could save all the war cost us including the soldier's bonus, in a generation. There, everybody works, even father. While the people are poor, yet, as noted above, it was a country without paupers, and will soon be so again. The government paid interest on savings, and encouraged even the poorest to have a savings account. Such an account could be started with one franc, and could be opened at any post office. Our thrift stamp idea came from Belgium. The farmer or working man could buy a small plot of ground, build a little home for his family, be insured against sickness or accident, even though he hardly had a dollar to start with. The government would back him, and he could borrow money from the National Savings Bank system. The Belgians are said to have the best courts in existence. With a single judge in the Supreme Court, Cases are reviewed quickly, while everything is fresh in mind, and witnesses and all other evidence is easily obtained, and the decisions of the lower courts either reversed or sustained at once without any lost motion whatever. 
the lower courts are open for the settlement of all disputes the judge cross-questions both sides without any lawyers to interfere and the poorest wage earner can have his wrongs righted without a cent's expense the assistance of an attorney is hardly ever needed and not one decision in a hundred is appealed the contribution of belgium to farming and stock raising has been immense most of the soil is thin and has been used for centuries and yet she raises more than twice as much wheat per acre as the dakotas and harvests as much as two hundred fifty dollars worth of flax per acre a few centuries ago the district between antwerp and ghent was a barren moor called wiesland Today, every inch of this land is cultivated and is dotted by some of the finest farms in Belgium. This entire sandy district was covered, cartload by cartload, spadeful by spadeful, with good soil brought from elsewhere. It is now like a great flower garden, and in fact, much of it is flower beds. The city of Ghent is known as the flower city of Europe there being a hundred nursery gardens and half as many horticultural establishments in the suburbs of this one city a marvelous thing about belgian agriculture is that they rotate the soil rather than the crops their methods of intensive farming are so wonderful that if north and south dakota could be farmed as is belgian soil nearly all the people in the united states could move to these two states and be fed Belgium is a land of very small farms, and it is said that the poorest agricultural laborer has a better chance to become a land owner than in most any other country. Until auto trucks made their appearance, the great drays of London and New York were drawn by Belgian horses. Belgian stallions often take the blue ribbons at our great state fairs, and our farmers have found that the Belgian breeds of stock are second to none. Even Belgian hares are most prolific and most profitable of any breed of rabbits in this country today. The contribution in architecture of this little country to the world has been so great, and her churches and public buildings so stately, that Belgium has been called the jewel box of Europe. Of course, many of her great cathedrals and public buildings were damaged or destroyed but they will, in a large measure, at least, be restored. The art of Belgian painters is world-famous, and graces the finest galleries in both Europe and America. Many of the paintings of Rubin and other master artists are almost priceless. As lace-makers, the women of Belgium are famous the world around. From early morning until late at night, these toilers sit in their low chairs and the skill with which they shoot the little thread bobbins back and forth across the cushions is indescribable. Neither men nor women in Belgium are overly much given to amusements. They work with all their might, but when the national holidays come, they abandon themselves to the amusements for the moment and have a most enjoyable time. While many are illiterate, the Belgians are giving much attention to schools these times. Even while they were guests of France, with their government located at Havre, they established twenty-four schools for the children, and a single woman had more than five thousand pupils under her care and direction. They also established large schools at that place for disabled soldiers, and many of them became not only skilled workers, but inventors. 
one of these disabled men invented a process to make artificial limbs out of waste paper and it is said that these limbs are the best made many of these legless soldiers with artificial limbs can walk so well that one would never imagine that they had been wounded providence seems to have made belgium the great battlefield of europe nearly every great general of european history has fought on belgian soil when the spaniards looted belgian cities and set up the inquisition it seemed as though the very imps of the lower regions were turned loose i have looked upon many of the instruments of torture that can still be seen in european museums and they were even more terrible than anything used in the late war again and again has belgian soil been drenched with blood only a little more than one hundred years ago the hosts of napoleon and wellington decided the destiny of nations at the battle of waterloo here was the great hive of industry with the wheels of her factories humming and her people happy industrious and contented up to that fateful day in august nineteen fourteen no people were more loyal to their ideals more trustful of others or more anxious to serve humanity than these honest-hearted hard-working people they felt secure for the treaty which protected them had been signed by all the nations around them this treaty had been held sacred for more than eighty years and was to last as long as time it had held them secure during the great crisis of eighteen seventy to eighteen seventy one and when the war cloud gathered in austria and servia they felt secure soon however it became plain that germany had been planning for years to crush this little country like an eggshell four double-track lines of railway had been built up to the belgian border miles of concrete platforms had been built but no suspicions had been aroused when the enemy started across belgium he had better maps of the country than any belgian had ever seen at once many germans in belgium left their homes silently and the surprise of belgian neighbors can be better imagined than described when they saw their old friends coming back with the enemy's army they had been spies all these years when the great siege guns were brought from their hiding places in the croup factories into belgium the foundations for them were already there these guns were so heavy that the london times stated that it took thirteen traction engines to pull a single one of them they threw shells that weighed almost a ton twenty miles and a single one of them would destroy a building as large as our own national capitol building in washington so accurately had these foundations been placed that scarcely a single shell was wasted it is said that years ago some so-called german university men asked the belgian government for permission to study the geology of their country this permission was granted freely but these were mostly military men and spent months investigating and surveying and marking certain places once more these men came to the belgian government stating that they wished to study the foundation of rocks and soil which would necessitate digging into the earth and as they did not wish to be bothered by the public asked permission to build barricades around the places where they worked their request was granted instantly and by this means they built the foundations for these great siege guns finally the fateful day came germany told belgium that she intended going across her territory anyway 
and if she would allow this to be done peaceably, she would pay her double price for everything destroyed. That it would be to her best interests to allow this, and that she might have twelve hours to think it over. In the darkest hours of the war, when it seemed that the Germans would be victorious, I heard the Belgian minister in Washington say in an address, quote, Yes, they gave us twelve hours to decide, but they gave us eleven hours and fifty-nine minutes too much time. End quote. As long as time, it will be remembered to the glory of Belgium that she told Germany instantly to stay upon her own territory, that the world would never say that Belgium went back upon her word, that if war came she would remain neutral as in the treaty she had agreed to do. The minister referred to above also said in this darkest hour, quote, They now have all but three hundred square miles of our territory, but what will it profit a man though he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We have lost our property, but we have saved our soul, and if it were to do over again, we would do exactly the same thing. End quote. Brave little Belgium! For four and one-half years she stood bleeding, and with her head bowed in sorrow. Her homes were destroyed. Her old men and women shot down like dogs. Her women outraged. Her youths and maidens enslaved. Her little children misused. But Belgium still lives, and always will live in the hearts of men and women, wherever civilization is known. Her king and queen were brave and heroic, through all those horrible times. Her church leaders could not be bought or sold, and her common people were true as steel. As a nation she blundered in days agone, but what nation has not made mistakes? Belgium saved democracy for a thousand years, and is today the nation that the whole world honors. End of chapter 9